0: great to have you in church today and uh, welcome. Um, Just take the hand of someone next to you, we're going to pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves in your presence, Lord. You are the God in heaven, but you want your will to be done on earth, Lord. Lord, help us to relate to you in a way that's healthy and to others as well. And Lord, as we gather around your word this day, I pray that you would just open up our hearts to give us fresh food, fresh manna, uh, spiritual food to help us, Lord, to grow and to become all that you want us to be. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the generosity of your people. We thank you for the opportunities that we have here to serve, the, the different points of growth that you provide for us. And, Lord, we do pray that, uh, Lord, you would be honored, that you would be reflected in all that we say and do in the name of Jesus. And you can say... Amen. God bless you. Who's had a good week? It's good. It's good to have Barry and Carmen in church. Um, I I, I love it every time I marry someone and they're still happy. It's a good thing. It's a good thing, isn't it, Mitch? (laughs) And uh, because I've got a couple of weddings coming up, and uh, they are going to be really spectacular, both of them. Probably for different reasons. <laughs> uh, so um, I've just got to get myself organised. Yeah, you know, the other day I had uh, this really graphic dream. Who has those really vivid dreams that you know you think you're there? Well all night I was dreaming that I was a muffler. I mean this is a this is a strange dream. And, you know, the funny thing is I woke up, I was so exhausted. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Don't deserve it. I enjoy myself. Uh, many, many years ago, I went to a state minister's uh, conference for the Assembly of God in Australia, and Pastor Alan Davies, who was the vice president at that time, I think he still is, actually actually about movement he preached this message that really disturbed me he said would you go to your church if you weren't the pastor Ah, scary scary question i mean would you go to your church if you weren't the pastor and uh that got me thinking and so so it sort set me on a track where I've tried over many years to actually under God's grace you know all the any credit that you may want to give me please under God's grace uh I am just a busted sinner like you trying to do the best I can and one day you might find out who I really am you know and then then we'll all be in trouble but under his grace I've slowly tried to steer a church into a place where It's the sort of church I'd like to go to. And the sort of church I'd like to go to is one that's full of all very different people. Full of all those sorts of strange people. Uh, we've, we've, we have what you might say in very nice language, a cross section. We have, (laughs) we have, we have a, city councillor, almost deputy mayor by that much as a member of the church and then we've got me, a recovered street kid, alcoholic and you can look at the person next to you and say, and we've got you as <laughs> So I'd like to go to a church that's ultimately A place where people can be real and, uh, and develop quality relationships. Uh, one of the phenomenons of the modern world these days, which I think is not healthy for the church, is that church is becoming an event rather than something which is organic part of our life. You know, it's just, it's gotta be more than just going to a service, sitting in the same chair, looking at the back of someone's head, getting too fast songs, too slow songs, and, you know, get your sermon and go out, and you don't talk to anyone in the process. Um, So I'm looking for that sort of church where we actually know people. And we're building relationships with people that normally we would have nothing to do with. You know, people of different colors, shapes, sizes, and whatever. So let me give you 2020 vision. So technically, really good eyesight is called 20/20 vision. I'm working a little bit off 20/20 vision. I think it's one of the mercies of God. The longer that you stay married, the worse your eyesight becomes. So, <laughs> shh, don't tell anyone. So I can still say to my wife, "You look as beautiful as the day I married you." <laughs> About the same thing too (laughs) Um, So my eyesight's not as good as it used to be Uh, But if you've got 20-20 eyesight Apparently you can read a Snellen chart at 20 feet And you'll be able to read the same things That a person with so-called proper eyesight can see at 20 feet So that's what the 20-20 means That you can see those little letters As they get smaller and smaller and smaller uh, let me give you another 2020 vision. It's the year 2020. And so I want to refer you to Acts 2020. Next slide. Thank you. So Acts 2020, this is going to be a really basic sermon. I can preach deep. I can preach long. I can preach simple. But this is pretty basic. But I want to give you a vision for 2020 that's going to help you and help for the work of God in the city of Arbidale. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 20. And just a little bit of context. Ephesus was a major deal back in the first century. Today, you've got to go there almost as a tourist. It had a coliseum, an amphitheater, its own brothel. It had the Temple of Diana, one of the ancient wonders of the world, one of the most revered goddesses of the ancient world. This is actually a temple that if you were to go to Ephesus today, you could go and take a photo similar to this uh, and this is actually a, a remains of a heathen temple it was a big deal and uh, the apostle paul goes there he plants a church and probably his most successful work was planted in the city of ephesus so it's at this place that he's able to boast in acts that all of asia minor was reached from this one base he Uh, got himself a a room and he taught for two years from this one base, sending people out to reach the rest of Asia Minor. Really good. And if you read, uh, the book of Ephesus, this is a pretty happy book. It's very lofty. It's got very grand themes. It's not like Corinth where there's problems, you know, don't sleep around, don't get drunk, don't hit everybody, don't sue everybody, you know. Corinthians is a busted church where Ephesus is the jewel in the crown. And so Paul's been ministering at Ephesus for about two years, and now it's his time to move on, and he's going to go up to Jerusalem. And so he's having his last talk with the elders and the leadership. So this is the heart-to-heart of a guy who's really done his best to plant a flag in the ground to build the work of God in a city. And this is his instructions. This is his last sort of effort as he talks to his elders and says, you know that I did not hold back. So don't hold back. Turn to your other neighbor and say, don't hold back. You know, we can, can't we? Let's be honest. We, we can hold back, can't we? We can do our best. We can do 10%, 30%, 90%. Or we give it the whole 100%, can't we? But what Paul's able to say this. You know that I gave you my very best. I didn't hold back anything reserved. It wasn't a little bit for God and a little bit for me and a little bit for... I gave you my best. and didn't hold back. What did he did not hold back from? Who would like to know what he didn't hold back from? Uh, two people. Oh, we think, go home, okay? No, three people. You want to know? Did I come to the right church today? Didn't make a mistake. Nice, no, a great today. Uh, well, what he did not hold back from was proclaiming to you, proclamation, it's the message going out, it's the word being, uh, sent forth, anything that would be helpful. Now the word help from the Greek here is actually a economic term. So some of your Bible, some of your translations may actually have the word profitable. So it's a sense of increase of a boost of that which helps you to grow, to develop, to get more. So Paul's saying, I did everything on you to help you do okay, to get ahead, to move. Who wouldn't like 2020 to be a profitable year? Would you like to get down another 360 days and look back over 2020 and say, see, that was a good year. That's the year I went up. You know, It wasn't the year I went back wasn't you that I just stayed stable, put it in cruise control, drifted a little bit. 2020 was a good year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I preached better if you're more responsive. Come on, Pastor. Help him, Jesus. Thank you, Lisa. Actually, um, Chris, I meant to say, do you want to give a testimony about Kent? He's got the... Microphone. We had a walking stick here. Here it comes. A.M. It's in the morning.
1: Thanks for putting me on the spot. Well, about 50 people went to Binning Up. Very good. Last Sunday after church. Most of them were in church last Sunday, so that's a miracle in itself. (laughs) Took the bus down to Binning Up. This is our third camp in Binning Up. Last three years we've been. And each camp has had a different flavour or a different voice of God has spoken into our young people. This camp was about realigning our young people. Just for a speaker to be flown in from overseas who doesn't know much nothing. about what is going on in our youth group, doesn't know these guys, to be able to just give us insight and clarity on moving forward for us. Because we got, when you're dealing with people, there's always something going on, right? There's always a backstory. It's true. But for her to come and just speak over our group and position us for the next 12 months and for the group to hear the word of the Lord and respond was the miracle for me. To see our young people say, while I'm a bit uncertain, I'm going to grab onto all of what God has got for us as a youth ministry in this church. Because empire is about building the church. It's not about building the youth group. You won't hear us as leaders say, it's about building a youth group, it's about building this church here at Champion Lakes. So you're going to see these kids rise this year. You're going to see some great things out of a young people this year. Because the word of the Lord was spoken to them as a group, as a group. And they're going to grab onto that and you're
0: going to see them rise this year. Amen. Uh, Chris, are there a couple of the other ones who might want to just, one minute testimony.
1: Who wants to be put on the spot?
0: They're all shy, I know. (laughs) Casey. Casey? Elijah shy. Jackson's shy. Very good. Right. Um, we've already earmarked
1: Casey as a future leader in the empire. Yeah. My, not just a leader. Uh, leader, leader. leader. Emperor, sorry, empire's dead and buried. YC he is here, forgive me. <laughs> and just to see her grow on the camp and just see God, uh, her allow God to speak to her is pretty special for me. Makes it all worthwhile.
2: Thank you, Chris.
3: Um, yeah, it, it, camp was um, definitely something to remember. Um, like Chris said, each year it is um, very different, and I think I've, this is my second camp. And um, with the youth and um, being through the leadership team this year, um, I was definitely challenged a lot, and that um, it was it was amazing to have that support but it was hard for me to let go of my own um, things that were holding me back and break my own chains, and I really felt like camp really spoke to me. The pastor, the pastor in media was amazing, um, the team, just God and his voice just really spoke through me um, in that camp, and it was amazing to see everyone come together and um, really break their chains together, so
0: yeah well done just spoke in front of 200 adults how good's that it's about putting your young people on the spot right um,
3: I think that camp uh, like Chris said uh, Pastor Amelia didn't know anything about us and she flew, where did she fly from? Singapore and I think Sam had emailed Chris before um, and it was like a almost like a what do you call it prophecy on what what was going to be the situation or what the what yc was going to be like this year and so yeah it was just awesome to see that she didn't even know anything about us and and just seeing all the young people really just give up give like give themselves to god it was just it was awesome
0: so yeah brilliant jackson
1: one more Yeah, there was this
0: session apparently where they put Rainer and Pastor Karen Uh, up front and asked them about their dating
2: techniques. (laughs) Oh just be friends. Let God work it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so no, I went to youth camp, so I survived. I loved it. Um, The boys kept me up to two in the morning, but that was good. Survived the rest of the time. But you know what I love? From the get-go, the tone of the camp was set because Pastor Millie did not know that the youth actually have Joshua, chapter one, verse nine, as their declaration, their scripture on their on hoodies. On the back of their hoodies. So she actually opened the whole camp thing, not knowing what was happening, and spoke from Joshua, chapter one, for the first night, yeah. and it was just like, yeah. "Wow, God!" Yeah. And Thank you Lord. just see some kids who never spoke in tongues, spoke in tongues, so we're filled with the Holy Spirit Praise God. every night. They were just hungry for God. And what I loved about the, them is that they have great friendships. They were in unity. There was no drama. Uh, you know, we just had a great time. But they were hungry for God. And I just want to thank Chris and the team for, you know, just loving on the young people. And but I hope parents, went, I yeah. hope you saw a difference when they came back. Because there's a glow of the Holy Spirit upon them. And continue to encourage them. Keep, you know, cheering them on because this is our future. Amen? Yeah. Good job, guys
0: wonderful uh next slide thank you so Paul was a guy committed to giving god everything Uh no holding back he was unreserved it was unreserved really in the proclamation in these two forums the next slide thank you appreciate that um publicly he went about proclaiming the message publicly and so for Paul, that was the synagogue. It was the amphitheater. It was the uh, the, the, the school which he had hired from Tyrannius and stuff. So one of the things he was committed to was, I want to do this publicly. So can I just encourage you, as the church of Jesus Christ, in the city, you being here on Sundays matters. It just matters. Don't think it doesn't matter. One of the challenges is that we've got lots of choices to on any Sunday, haven't we? Mow the lawn, you know, clean the garters, visit grandma, do your tea ball. One of the, There's all those sorts of options, but those options are eroding the commitment level of the church of Jesus Christ. You know, last Sunday we had someone come to the church whose life's at an extreme point. You know, there are some really tough challenges. They may die of an illness soon. They've got a a child in jail. There's all sorts of things going on. They might have needed to bump into you and have a cup of coffee last Sunday. Come on. Come on. Because it's not for me and Pastor Karen and my amazing team. We can't do it all. We are now reaching close to 400 people every week in our church. I can't do 400 people by myself. And what I need is guys and leathers with really big beards to reach out to guys and leather with really big beards. And I need, I need really shy people to find the other shy people and form their own little group of shyness together. I need older people who are reinventing their lives and know that Jesus is the answer to find other older people (laughs) who are living great lives. I want Filipinos to find Filipinos and uh, indigenous people to find non-indigenous people. I want us to do life together. So this public thing. Look, it's, it's just so important. I have been a pastor since the last decade pleasure, Peter. It gets worse. It gets worse. In fact, I used to know Crystal when she was like, the cutest little thing. She's just the cutest big thing. Was that a Peter? I hope that was Peter. I've been a pastor since the last century. I've been a pastor since the last millennium. How But what I've seen is this. Those who attend church regularly, for some people, they may go sour and you become religious hypocrites and very judgmental and terrible people. That happens. But for the most part, those who attend church regularly, their marriages stay together, their bodies are healthier, they have better financial habits. In fact, on every level, they do so much better. And for those that I've seen He used to come four times a week, and then they go to three, then they go to two, then to one, and then it's once a month. They're the people that sadly often 10 years later are coming back and saying, my kid's on drugs, what do I do? My marriage is wrecked, what do I do? So there's incredible power. This is now just the selfish angle. It's good for you to come to church and publicly proclaim that Jesus is the answer. But it's also good for the kingdom. It's a miracle that Jesus prayed for. Lord, I pray that they will be in church occasionally. No, he prayed, dear Lord, let them be one as we are one. Because when the world sees that they have love one for another, then the world will know. Then the world will know that we are his disciples. When we're one with people that are not like us, you wouldn't choose me to be your friend normally. Maybe some would. Yeah, you, me and Paul would probably be all right. Maybe. Um, but when we love each other, when we're so diverse and so different, we are reflecting the very heart of the miracle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all blood sisters. So what I want you to do, will you, for 2020, can I give you one eye? Just one eye yet? See Sunday as the place that you commit to, not as an option, but as a covenant, as an agreement, and that you come here to celebrate, celebrate Jesus, to celebrate his grace, his power, his wisdom, the fact that he is the answer. Do you think you could just open up your eye a little bit to see that as something that may be profitable, helpful, useful for you, and not hold back on that? Thank you. Gary's gonna do it. Celebrate Sundays. The other thing that Paul was really committed to the next slide, thank you. Oh, well, uh just just to you know ground it in the text. Paul puts it this way in Hebrews, if he was the author of Hebrews ten twenty four to twenty five. And let us consider how we might spur one another toward love. Can you spur the person next to you right near? Do you know what a spur is? Do you know what a spur is? <clears throat> it's something, <clears throat> something on the boots. My wife's got spurs. It's something you wear on the back of a boot to get that horse to go. To get that old mule to go. To get that old donkey, in my case, to go. It's, it's actually not a friendly thing, a spur. There's a bit of point to it. It's a bit of a rub to it. There's a bit of a prod. It's a bit of ouch to it. It's, can you spur the person? That you say, no, I don't want to go to chance today. It's time for a spur. Um, Consider. Think up ways. Dream up ways. I'll text them. I'll stalk them. I'll fake book them. Think up ways. Consider them. Towards love and good deeds. So when you come here, love and good deeds go together. When you serve, when you make a coffee, when you help with the communion table, when you do all the things that we do, help with AV, serve on music, when you do good deeds, it's a really positive thing for the church of Jesus Christ. For us to do what we do so that we can present the gospel with the life and the power and the purpose to it, we need about 100 volunteers every week to show up. And thank you, Lord. We we get that. This is not a subtle preach. This is hopefully to give you a biblical vision. All right. It's not an ask. I'm praying that you'll get a biblical vision to see Sundays is game day. It's the day we show up. It's the day that we celebrate Jesus. You know why? He died for me. Yeah. He hung upon a cross. You know. He he had his, you know, back flayed open. You know, forty, thirty nine lashes, etc. So. Let us consider how we might, let's say it together, shall we? Let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Next slide. Thank you. It's the public aspect of it. But he also, he didn't hold back from doing the same thing from house to house. Now, here's a little Greek lesson for you. The word house there is the word oikos. This is a sound that a pig makes. No, actually, it's not. Oikos. Turn to your neighbor and go, oikos. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's Greek to me. Oikos. So, oikos doesn't mean a house in the sense of bricks and mortar and aisles. So, it's a word that is much broader than that. And so in the ancient Greek world, it was used for a family unit, for the household, for your sphere of influence. It also meant that, uh, you know, in church, we would say connect group. Your oikos is the area of influence that extends beyond your biological ties. In the Greek world, I was writing this letter to the oikos, the... Um, the basic unit of society is not the individual. In fact, Australians struggle with this more than anybody else. Australians are the most individualist. I can't say it. How do you say it? Individual. It's one of those words I just can't say for some... Individualistic. Close? Australians are the most individualistic people in the world it means that we really do think as single units we don't see uh filipinos in in general think as a group they think as a family you know if they're uh in many cultures this would be the case your what's happening to your second cousin if you're in some other cultures is critical most australians don't even know their second cousins are We are totally individualistic. So in some societies, you make decisions together in your oikos. When Paul was in Philippi, and there's that great earthquake, and the Philippian jailer kneels down and cries out, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Me and my oikos shall be saved. And says, well, repent on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your oikos, your sphere of influence will be saved. So this is digging a little bit deeper into what we would call modern church. Modern church has got very little oikos happening. It's about crowds, it's about the event. But an oikos is a group of people that your decisions are made almost together in harmony and what the group decides is then actually what the group does. And in that, in the ancient oikos, your financial security, your identity, your safety, your protection was bound up in the oikos, that unique little family. And so what Paul also did was, not only did he do the celebration on the Sunday, he proclaimed it there, he also made an effort to share that message in that smaller setting. Now, uh, that is a real challenge for us. And there are some people, we're, we're blessed to have probably plus 20 connect groups over the year probably even more than that there's something for everybody i'm doing the gospel of john through hebrew eyes you know we often look at john through greek eyes we're going to do that line by line so there's there's heavy tertiary level bible study through to uh actually the the multicultural prayer group uh they do pray very well but the cooking's amazing There's something literally for everyone. David and Lisa are doing a marriage group. We've got a family group. We've got a formation group on Fridays. At Rose. There's something for everyone. If you come to me and you say, Pastor Mark, I've looked at all 20 of those and there's nothing for me. I'm going to slap you. No, I know, I'm going to. You just really haven't tried. Can I really encourage you get involved in an oikos, whether that's the men's group next Saturday or whether it's with, uh, you know, Look, there's just plenty of choice. But if you, who wants a profitable year? Can I give you another eye? Eye number one is, publicly, it matters if I join, I celebrate with God's people. The word church, again, this is a Greek word, I'm sorry, it's ecclesia, but it means those who are assembled together. They are called out, Jesus, Jesus reigns. There's a calling out and they come together. That's the Sunday. That's the celebration. That's the public. But can also say, open up the other eye and just see, God, where can I join to develop that sphere of influence with others and grow and share my life? One of the things, next slide. Thank you. I didn't preach too much. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself is stupid. Oh, no, it doesn't say that. A man who isolates himself, feeks his own desire, and he rages against wise judgment. This is one scripture. But have you noticed that before? People who don't do well stop doing people. Have you noticed that? They retreat. They become shut-ins. The blinds go down. The lights go off. And they retreat. Even in our society, we we get to a stage of some people that they're so damaged or dangerous that they are to solitary confinement And uh, they consider this to be One of the most cruel tricks The person who has been in the western world In solitary confinement l- Longer than anybody else Was a man by the name of uh, Tommy Silverstein Who spent 35 years In solitary confinement but He was in jail for murder While he's in jail for murder He murders two inmates And then after that He murders a, uh, one of the prison guards as well so we can see why he's in solitary confinement. And he's written a statement, says, you know, I'd prefer capital punishment because I'm actually being buried alive in this place. No human contact. And you know what happens to people in those sorts of circumstances? Do you think they do well? We, we, suddenly, learn, we suddenly learn that having people around you it's really important. It's useful. Because some of them are going to be mirrors to who you are. We won't like that. and You'll want to actually take them out and you know, sort them out. Other people are going to be kind. People are a mirror to who you are. And when you remove yourself from that, you're removing the mirrors in your life. And eventually you forget who you are. So they've done studies in solitary confinement after a, a period of time. Uh, people will do some things, the most amazing things just to crave a little bit of human attention. Lie on the floor for days at a time just wanting to see some feet go by as a shadow or something. Uh, some people will do you know, bizarre things like they'll befriend a wasp or something and uh, they'll do everything and they'll start talking to this. and uh, Or they, after a while, some people actually lose the ability to communicate at all. They no longer know how to communicate they can't talk they literally cannot communicate after a while some will even go deaf because they're not hearing it and those parts of the brain begin to shut down uh, some will even lose their sense of taste like we actually need people yeah. this is from someone oh dear should i confess should i confess my sins I love people as a general concept. <laughs> but I've met some. <laughs> I want to tell you, the deepest hurt that I've ever received in life has always come from people. I've broken bones. I've done all that stuff. Ha I'll do that any day. Some of the stuff that people have done to me, I could hardly move for years. Function. But, you know absolutely busted by But people are a part of our growth. God says that real love is to love God and the amount that we love God is then shed on the horizontal level to love other people. And some of them do not deserve it. Some of them will abuse you. But that's us taking God's love and sharing it with the broken world. It's our job. We actually have to love peoples. The peoples. You know, a bit like from Madagascar. Peoples. (laughs) Next slide. Thank you. So, Acts chapter 20, verse 20 says, Don't hold back and do two things. Proclaim the life that God's given to you publicly and privately. Sundays, connect groups, celebrate, connect group. That's what Paul said, says, you elders know that I did not hold back on those two things. And verse 21, it talks about then what that the content of that message was. And it was to turn from sin and to trust in God, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I have a feeling in my own view of theology, that would have been a good moment for Facebook, wouldn't it? That as God, God's face is always towards His children. You know, in the Sistine Chapel, you know, there's God reaching out to Adam. I don't think God turns His back on us. I think God's always saying, Here I am, come home. But I think the trouble is that we have a free choice, and sometimes we look at God and we think, I don't know, do I really want to play harps for thousands of years? Mm, Yeah, float on clouds. Uh, give up, you know, all the fun that my friends are having. You know, we—it's we, us who turn our back on God, and then the danger is we keep on walking further and further away from God. So, at its essence, what repentance is is the ability to turn and to trust God and to lean towards Him. And may twenty twenty be that uh, year for us. As a church, where publicly we're encouraging people, turn and trust. Turn and trust. Turn from your ways that are going to mess up, hurt you, damage you, and trust God. Uh, trust, I find, a difficult thing. Uh, seeing you're all so wonderful. Everybody smile at me. I, I, I'm actually a bit short today of money, and I would like to borrow... A dollar off you. Who, who could, who could lend me a dollar today? I no, I want to count this. <laughs> put your hand up, put your hand up. How much can I get? Uh, just, just, no, no, just keep your money for the moment, yeah? You, you knew that's what passes are out after all this time. They just want your money. So, put your hands up. Oh, there's, there's some generosity in the house. Thank you so much. I'm feeling so blessed and privileged. Okay, I'm a bit short today. Would someone trust me for $100? All right, all right. We've got some gutsy people here. All right, $10,000. <laughs> if you've got $10,000 to give, 100000 Hopefully this is a stupid little illustration that will help you. It's the only thing it's easy to trust in the little things isn't it there's no real you don't need a lot of trust to trust me for a dollar to trust me for ten thousand dollars you need a lot more trust don't you and you probably need to, at that moment to start saying well actually I'm trusting God here because Mike is human and human beings can actually mess up things it's easy to trust God in the little things hard to trust God in the big things but over 2020, can we trust God? Can we turn to Him, trust Him Sundays? And then find a smaller group where we, with other people, walk with them, cry with them, laugh with them, and help them to turn and to trust. All good? Fantastic. All right, let's have the team up, our worship band. Our worship band. It's great to have these male voices too. You go to some churches and they're all all these lovely voices, but I'll you know, stop it, Mike. Uh, let's just uh, pray. Father, um, we, we do want 2020 20 vision, Lord, as in the natural, Lord, poor eyesight, Lord, leads to errors, mistakes, you know, coming outside the lines, all sorts of trouble. But Lord, we pray that you give us spiritual sight. Lord, if this is our home, Lord, we have visitors here today and we thank you for them. But Lord, for us who call Champion Lakes home, well, I pray that you give us 2020 vision that we would celebrate Sundays and we would connect weekdays in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, I'll sign up. (laughs) Let's do way, Thanks, David.